So let's stand together, please, for reading God's Word. And, and uh, let's uh, listen to our older folk. Um, I want to help you today. Honestly, I, I think it's a good time for us to refocus right here in the middle of the semester. And uh, I know you've been through a lot. And just understand that the devil, he, he never sleeps. And uh, you, ever, man, he's, you talk about a caffeine dude. He's, he never sleeps. And he doesn't sleep here. And I want you to understand he's always fighting. And when he fights, we lose focus. And when you lose focus, you're about to be in trouble yourself. And so I want to take a little time in the scriptures today and refocus on really why we're even here, why we even have a Bible college, why we even have the gospel. And I want you to take a look at verse number uh, 16, or excuse me, verse number 6, if you would, in chapter 16, Acts 16, verse 6. And uh, Paul is on his mission journey. He says, now, when they had gone throughout... Uh, Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After they were come to Messiah, they essayed to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Messiah, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul, that is, in Troas, a vision appeared to Paul. In the night there stood a man, a Macedonian, prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course of Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of the, that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city Abiding certain days, you know the rest of the story. They found Lydia, whose heart was open to the Lord. And then they went through a series of uh, uh, divination with a, a, a damsel there that was uh, um, involved in the occult. And eventually they were thrown in, in jail. But I'll draw your attention to my text verse found in verse number 9. I don't know if you have a habit of doing this, but I always like to do it. And, and uh, I do it in our church on Sunday mornings because we have a lot of guests. And... I read a verse in unison to make sure everybody's reading from the right Bible. Amen. You know, you get six different versions going, it sounds like a bunch of turkey talking. So I like to hear the King James Bible read in unison. Let's read our text verse in verse number nine. Let's read that together out loud. Verse nine, ready? And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. Those last two words... I want to drill them in your soul today. Help us. Say that with me together. Ready? Help us. Come and do what? Help us. Father, help us to learn today that there are folks all around us every day that need you. Teach us from thy word, we pray, please, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. I'm going to dive right into a quick introduction. And I want you to do more than just take some notes today. I'm going to break this down. And we're actually going to look at a lot of words today. But let me just say that we need men of vision. We need women of vision. People that can see the hurting hearts all around them. And everybody has some kind of mission in life. Maybe it is to be popular. Uh, maybe to be successful. Maybe to be wealthy. Maybe you just want to be happy. Some people just, you know, there's a, there's a generation that thought to 
Oh, I just want to be happy. You know, make me happy. Whatever it takes to be happy. You know what? Happy is a very elusive word. Happy, the word happy is based on happenings. Uh, good happenings, you're happy. Bad happenings, you're not happy. You know what? We ought to concentrate more on Christians. We ought to concentrate more on having the joy of Jesus Christ. That's what stays right there. And so uh, some folks are just uh, completely obsessed with being happy, some being athletic, some being intelligent, maybe some inventor somewhere, some want to be techie, some people just kind of content with being a dud. I hope that's not you. I like what the apostle said in Romans chapter 12. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren. He says, I beg you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And I believe that I'm standing in front of a of, of people in this Bible college that that's exactly why you're here is because you believe God has a call on your life of some kind. There's times we need to kind of refocus on what God has done in our life to get us to this place. People get a vision of some kind and they set out to fulfill that vision in their life. And there are those that maybe are driven to business. And let me just say, there's sometimes even young men that are called to preach will get sidetracked when it comes to money. Let me challenge you, don't get sidetracked with the original call God has in your life, on your life. And, uh, but some get wrapped up in that and, and thank God for every businessman or business lady that are in it for the right reasons. They love God and they become great givers. And I'm always thankful for successful people who use their wealth to fund the things of God. But uh, my point this morning is this. Very few people in this world, if we're not careful, will hear the, hear the plea of those without Christ saying, help us. You can see it in their eyes. You can hear it in their voice. You can even watch uh, the frivolous way that they live. And they're, they're gra- trying to grasp hold of something that is lasting. And you and I know because of the word of God that we've studied that the only thing that's going to last is Jesus Christ. And they're crying out all around us, help us. I'm just saying today, if you have a pulse, God has a purpose for you. I read recently of a, a little boy who wanted to be an oceanographer. He's about eight years old and he wanted to be an oceanographer. And this was a true story. And, but he'd never been to the ocean. I don't laugh about that. I remember when I lived in West Virginia, first time that we ever went to the ocean, I thought, wow, you know, that was something big. And you all live around the ocean here, but but this little boy had never been to the ocean. He wanted to be an oceanographer. He said, well, his dad thought, well, if he's going to be an oceanographer, he probably ought to see the ocean. So his dad took him to the ocean. And as soon as he got down there on that sand, he looked out. He just was, he looked down at his feet. He just felt like he's just so let down. And his dad said, son, what's wrong? He said, well, where's all the dead whales? Where's all the dolphins with those plastic straws stuck up their nose holes? He had some idea because of some of the way the society leads us to believe that that's really the biggest thing going out there is save the whale. And by the way, I want to save every whale I guess I can save. And I'm not for plastic straws up some dolphin's nose holes, but what I'm more for than anything else is to see people come to Christ and keep them out of hell. That's what we should be most concerned about. And everybody has purpose. And by the way, that was, it's thrown all over social media out there of all the new uh, causes and trends that are out there. But I'm talking to young people that God has a call on your life and you're here for a reason. Studying because you believe there's people out there, their soul cry is saying, someone come and help us. Now, I want you to write down several things today. First of all, I have three points and three or four points under three points. So if you kind of knock these off pretty quick, let's study what the Word of God has to say. First of all, I want to talk about the plea of the vision. The phrase, help us, just the 
plea of the vision. I want you to notice, first of all, that it was a plea from a new destination that needed the gospel. A plea from a new destination that needed the gospel. Something happened in Troas. It was a place of detour for the apostle Paul in his life. He was stretching his eye across the Aegean Sea from Troas and, and to the northeast. He didn't have all the California smog in those days. And no doubt he had a little better eyesight than maybe you and I had. But, but uh, the Macedonian hills were not far away, visible in the northwest. And the apostle could, could hardly fail to see the shore and coastal mountain range of, of his new mission field. And suddenly uh, in this vision there appears a, a, a man who re, had the resemblance and the dialect of one from the region of Macedonia. And his simple words was this, were this, help us, help us. Let me just say, regarding this, this new destination that the apostle was, was uh, uh, confronted with, that it is important for you and I to daily follow the will of God in the place that we're supposed to be, certain places God intends to meet with us. Don't miss that appointment. Don't miss that place. Don't miss that destination. It's so important in Scripture. I would just say this, that had Paul not got to Troas, and if you watch how they wandered around on the map and with their ideas here, it took them a while to get where God wanted them because the Spirit of God was moving them. But just get to Troas because God's got something for you in Troas. I dare say that probably some of you, when you were seniors in high school, God was working your heart, and there's maybe another place you could have gone, and there's this place maybe that you wanted to go, or there's a place maybe where all your friends were going. But somewhere in the, in, in, in the reasoning and thinking, God says, I need to get to Lancaster, California. And you got to Lancaster, California. And that is your Troas. And don't leave your Troas because that's where God wants to speak to your hearts. That's where the world is able to say, somebody come and help us. I think they said in the prayer room that missions conference was coming up. May I say that that's when the devil's going to fight hardest because he doesn't want the gospel to get to the four corners of the earth. And it could very well be in this missions conference this year that God speaks to your heart and you figure out exactly where he wants you in life. You say that's not that important, preacher. Oh, yes, it is. Look, look back at verse number one. Verse number one, the importance of the destination, the place. The Bible says, then came he, that is Paul, to Derby and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus. That word behold just jumps off the page at me. You say, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying, it was, it had Paul not have gone to Derby, had he not had that dust up with, uh, with, with uh, Barnabas a few verses earlier, when John Mark went another way, had he not had all that and Paul went to Derby, he would have never met Timotheus, he would have never met the young man Timothy that he was going to turn the reins over to. Paul was looking for that man, and because he was at the right place, at the right time, he found that man. Now, I want to just say this right now. You've got every influence in the world trying to pull you another direction. You need to listen to the moving of the Spirit of God because that's where God gets you the place you need to be. I don't have time to go off on that. That's just point number one. Number one, the plea of the vision. It was a plea from a new destination that needed the gospel. Secondly, it was a plea for the desire to hear the gospel. I, I, I think about the word, verse number 10, the last word is them. You understand that your job is to find the them in your life. Who are the, this is not good English, but who are the them that God is sending you to? Now, God's got something for every one of you. God's got a pulpit for every man that's called to preach. 
For every assistant pastor, God's got a place. For every young lady right here, God's got a man maybe you're going to marry. Or she, he's got a place for you going to teach in a school or be a secretary. Or he's got something for you, a mission for you. That means that God has a mission for you. That means he has a them for you. He has people for you. People that only you can influence. And it was a plea for the desire. This man said, help us. We don't know exactly what we, we need, but you've got what we need in the gospel. And there was a desire there to hear the gospel. It was not only that, that, but number three, it was a plea of a deep need to break away from the world's woes. I'll say more about this in just a moment. But there was, a, there was at least one person there whose name was Lydia, if you read the rest of the passage. She's a business lady. And the Bible says that God had opened her heart. Now, let me just say this. Some of you are going to be called to go to some pretty hard areas. I read this morning where there's a, a, the, the, north, a, the, the far north director of BIM. I said there are 30 empty pulpits in Canada right now. Churches with people, 30 empty pulpits in Canada. You say, well, why would I want to go to Canada? Well, somebody's going to have to go. 30 people need to go to Canada. I don't know where they're at, but 30 people need to go to Canada. Some of you will go to closed countries. Some of you go to dangerous places. Some of you just go, go to big cities like Boston or Philadelphia or somewhere. You're going to go to places that's going to be hard. But I'm going to tell you what. If the Spirit of God leads you there, there's somebody there whose heart God has opened. Read it. And can I say there's this deep desire. There's this, there's this deep, down, deep plea for someone to come. There's needs all around us. And then fourthly, it was a place of desperation. It could very well be in this Macedonian call as Paul saw this man with, the, with a Macedonian dialect. It could very well be that this was their last chance for somebody to get into that city. You need to think about that. You and I have no right to be careless and flip it with where God sends us. We ought to be praying right now that God would send us to the right place, the place that he wants us. The plea of the vision Help us. Notice, secondly, the peril of the vision. The peril of the vision. Uh, Paul was faced with a, a predicament here. First of all, it was an unwanted mission. Verse number 12 says, And from thence to Philippi, to Philippi which was the, watch this now, the chief city. That means it was a very, very affluent city of that part of Macedonia and a colony, that means it was a Roman colony. Look at verse seven. Look at verse six. Now, when they had gone throughout uh, Phrygia, some people pronounce it Phrygia. I don't know why a preacher from Tennessee has got all these hard words. I picked the worst passage I could pick. But then Galatia, region of Galatia, forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach there. Word in Asia, so they, they, were, they went to Musiah. They essayed to go to Bithynia. They wanted to go there, but the Spirit suffered them not to go there. So they, they passed through Messiah and uh, came to Troas. So they're all over the map. And then the Holy Spirit picks Philippi, or this region of Macedonia. Understand that nobody else seemed to be jumping up and down saying, Send us to Macedonia! Send us to Macedonia! Just Paul. And God knew that Paul would listen and Paul would obey. You say, why wasn't anybody? It could very well be that all these other places that were named, there are already people there giving the gospel. I don't know. I'm not God. But I am saying this. God had one place, and nobody seemed like it appeared as though anyone wanted to go to that place. And probably why they didn't want to go to that place is because it had a fluency. 
It, had, uh, it was a Roman colony. That means it was pagan. That means we find out later it's full of witchcraft and perversion. There's going to be places that the Spirit of God is going to lay on your heart that you're going to say, why would anybody want to go there? I don't know why anyone would want to go there unless the Spirit of God says, I want you to go there. I think of L.A. I flew into L.A. Uh, last night uh, and, and saw just the, the multitudes. And we know there's very little churches in that area. And same with the other big cities. And there's places all over the world. And we don't need fewer young men and women called. We need more young men and women called and answering the call. And let me just say that this, it was, uh, it, it, to a certain extent, it was an unwanted mission. I mean, yes, they had people saved and some success there, but they were also beaten and they were thrown into prison, verses 22 and 23. And let me just say that today, not many people are jumping up and down to serve God in America, let alone in a foreign field. We have become a self-serving society. And I do a little social media myself just to kind of, I don't know, stay groovy. I don't know why I do it. Makes me mad about half the time. But, but, but social media is, is destroying this thing. And let me just say this. Don't get your doctrine and your trends in the faith off of your cell phone. Get it from the Spirit of God that lives inside of you and the Word of God that we read. And by the way, I'm, I think right now the big trend is worship. And by the way, that is a great place to have your record stuck because only God is worthy and His Son, Jesus Christ, worthy of all worship and honor and glory and praise. We know that. But I want you to understand that God doesn't call us to sit around in large venues and sit around and do what we call the new trend today, worship. That's new focus, worship, because I'm going to tell you why. Biblical worship always leads to service. And I understand that we're going to, Jesus said, if you love me, if you adore me, if you worship me, keep my commandments. And real worship leads to a sanctified life. Real worship will have you bounce back up off your knees, off your face before God, and understand you're on holy ground, and you'll live right, you'll dress right, you'll talk right, and you'll do the things of God. Amen, preacher. That's just right, right there. Be careful. A lot of folks decided we're just going to be part of the congregation instead of getting out there and hear the people say, help us. It was an unwanted mission. It was an urgent mission. The Bible says in verse 10, immediately. He says, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. The phraseology here is, is urgent. They were focused. Uh, they were not sidetracked. Look at verse number 11. It says, therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia. Loosing, that means that they actually, as soon as, as, soon as they said, boom, this is where we're going. We're going to Philippi. Let's get the boat ready. Let's load our provision. Let's get over there. Let's get all the stuff we need. And they started getting that thing ready. And there came a time, watch this now, that they took that big old three-stand rope off the timber head of the mooring there of that dock and they set sail. And they didn't go by way of anyone. They went with a straight course immediately. There was an urgency in their call. 
I want you to understand the day's going to come. You stick it out. You're going to walk across this platform and shake Pastor Chapel's hand, shake the administration's hand. You're going to have a diploma in your hand. And you're going to cut that cord from the moorings of the West Coast Baptist College. And by that time, you should know exactly where you're going. You should immediately get to that field. You should get a surely gathering. This is the will of God for your life. Be confident in what God has done in your life. And God gives you four years to figure that out. May the Spirit of God move on your heart. I'm talking about the peril of the vision. It was unwanted. It was urgent. I should say this. By, by, the, by the way, I should say this. By verse 13, by the Sabbath day, they were holding services down by the river. Don't graduate and go home and get your job and try to save up a little extra money before you get out. Just go do it. Which leads me to my next point. It was an unfunded mission. We see nowhere that Paul stopped to raise funds. He knew that if God was in it, a surely gathering, he says, that God would provide. So they endeavored. What's that mean? That means they gave it their best shot. Now, I'm just saying, I'm saying this. Now, listen. Some of you be called into missions and some of you be called into church planting and some of you need to raise funds. I'm all about that. By the way, we have a very large mission fund and we do that. There's a time for deputation and all those things. That's not what I'm talking about. We shouldn't be foolish in this. But don't let that hold you back from your, your mission. Your mission starts now. While you're here and building, let God build that in you while you're here. And then you cut that, you, you, you take that, that, that big old rope off the timber head of that dock and you launch out and you're flying by yourself with the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God. I'm just saying that it, it was, it, don't let money hold you back. They endeavored. Get out there and do what you can with what you got. Then number three, I'm, I'm hurrying now. Number three. We see the people of vision, the people vision. I'm going to show you real quick these notes and then I'm just kind of let it rip. I'm going to show you the number of them, the notoriety of them and the necessity of them. The number of them. We cannot say for sure, but Paul was there and Silas was there. He picked him up in the previous chapter. Timothy got on board. Luke joins them. I'm going to show you some wording here. You see this word here, verse 7, after they were come. The Spirit, but this verse 7, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing through Messiah, came down to Troas. And then the vision occurs. This man saying, help us. There stood a man of Macedonia, verse 9, and prayed him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, Luke is writing this. He's the penman, inspired by the Holy Ghost, verse 10. And after he had seen the vision, immediately, what's the next word? We. We immediately go into Macedonia, surely gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel. So we have Paul and Silas and Luke joins in. What a, what a wonderful band of men that was. There may be four, there may have been more, but the Bible says that that all of Asia Minor heard the gospel through the influence of these men. I want you to skip over, look at chapter 17, verse, verse number 1. When they, you say, who's they? Chapter 17, verse 1. And when they, who is they? Well, we don't know exactly how many, but Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke, at least they were the ones. Had passed through these cities here, came to the synagogue of Jews. Then skip over and look at verse number 6, chapter 17, verse 6. When they found them not... They drew Jason, certain brethren, under the rulers of the city, crying, These men. 
Y'all draw a line from the word they in verse 1 to the word these in verse 6. These have turned the world upside down and come hither also. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying it doesn't take a lot. It takes one, it takes a band of men that are right where the Spirit of God tells them they need to be at the right time. With the Spirit of God there, they've got the power of God, they've got the Word of God, they've got the power of the gospel, and that's all they need. And I know there was some trouble dusting up as they went along the way, but many were saved because this band of men said, we're going to stick together and we're going to win people to Jesus Christ. And I want to challenge you in this, in this hour right now that we're in, in America, we need to have people of vision, people that will say, I'm going to band together with those of like faith, and I'm going to do the job for God. Let me just stop and say this too. I want to turn back to chapter 16. This is, there's nothing, you're not here to pick up any new idea. Brother Getsch, we're doing the same thing in Murfreesboro we've done for 66 years. The same thing, same Bible, same gospel, same standards, same program, 66, 67 years. And the work is still growing. Our son graduated from West Coast, ministry major, came back and took our singles department five or six years ago, took our singles department from about 18. He has about 175 on his roll. He said that Daddy said we had 125 uh, Sunday and the other day. And he said, Dad, I had him stand up and he's teaching on tithing. Have him stand up and tell where they work. He said, Dad, I got six engineers in my, in my class. All of them are tithing. We have a, we have a large college, secular college in in our town, Middle Tennessee State University, and we're starting to get, he's got four Chinese guys. He's got a Malaysia, a Muslim girl that just got saved, just came to Christ. He's got people coming in there, tats all up, one side down the other, getting saved, getting baptized. You say, well, what are you doing? What's the new idea you're doing? We're not using a new idea. We're using the gospel, the same thing. I want you to look what, what was taught here. Look at chapter 16. It says, uh, verse 1, 2, they're working away. They got Paul and Silas. He picked up Timothy. Timothy now is this understudy. He's watching all this. Uh, verse 3, he had him circumcised because of the Pharisees and the Jews and all that. Look what they did. Here's what they did as they moved through these cities. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them three things. The decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders that were which in Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. That's the same program we use today. The word decree means, uh, it, it's, a decree is an authoritatively stated course of action based on one truth. Jude said the faith once delivered. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't, I'm, I'm strong right here for a reason because I see a lot of people moving away from the faith once delivered. And I'm going to tell you what Paul did. I'm going to tell you what Timothy did when he got to Ephesus. And I'm going to tell you what every church to the faith did all these years. They stuck with the decrees given by the apostles and that Jerusalem council, the decrees of the doctrines of the apostles that were eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ. And you and I are supposed to keep that decree and that faith true down to 2019. Amen. Then churches were established. Strong churches like you see today. You can still establish a church on strong Bible doctrine. And then the churches grew the right way. I kind of chased a rabbit there. I'm sorry, but number one, the number of them. <laughs> had nothing to do with that, did it? Number two, the notoriety of them. Each man caught the vision of the apostle Paul. 
They became famous in their own right, but they, by what they witnessed. Each one of us can be notable individuals in the kingdom of God by just catching the vision. I've got to hurry now. Catching the vision that God's laid on your heart. J.C. Penney, if you read about that particular organization, is practically closed now. But J.C. Penney was a born-again man that opened up his business, his department stores, became very wealthy. Early in his years, he taught a young man named Sam Walton how to wrap the customer's packet purchases. Back in the day, I barely remember this, but back in the day, if you bought something at a department store like JCPenney's, they would put it in a box or sometimes they would just wrap it, Brother Weaver. Remember when they'd take that brown paper and they'd pull it off that thing and tear it off and, and they'd wrap it and then they'd put that cord around it. Every time they pulled that paper off, that cost money. The, cord, the little cord cost money. And so Sam Walton was working with JCPenney and J.C. Penney taught him, he said, now here's exactly how you wrap this stuff to save the paper, but yet make the customer happy. J.C. Penney drilled three things into Sam Walton. Number one, he says, you sell the customer the product at the lowest price available, sell them the best product available, and work hard at keeping your customer happy. Sam Walton became the founder of Walmart. And nobody can touch him except Amazon, and that's from outer space, you know. <laughs> that's weird. I like that. Add to cart, click, add to cart, click. That's how I do my Christmas shopping. Add to cart. Curtis Hudson was a young pastor in Atlanta, Georgia area, a little town called Decatur. His first church actually had the old tar paper shingles on the outside of it was going nowhere. He went to a Bible conference where Dr. John R. Rice was preaching. Dr. Rice was a soul winner. He taught a lot about the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. He went to every one of those meetings every night. He caught the fervor of John R. Rice. And he went back home and built the largest church at that time in America in the Atlanta, Georgia region. Dr. Hudson, when I was a young teenager, came to our church as an evangelist. He had the Curtis Hudson Association campaigns. He came to our church in West Virginia where I was growing up. My mom and dad, back in the day that the evangelist would stay in the home, he stayed in our home and he, he ate at our table. And I just knew there was a lot of preachers that came to our house. I just knew there was something different about this guy. He just had a glow about him. He did not have any formal education, but he was a tremendous soul winner. And he taught our people there that, that, that week that he was with us how not just have revival, but how to win souls and keep the fire going. I never forgot the fervor of that man. And that rubbed off on me. And today, of course, he's in glory, but I thought about each man, how they caught that vision. And while you're here, you ought to, Catch the vision of Pastor Chapel. Catch the vision of the men that work with him here. And here's the last point, and I'm finished. The necessity of each of them. Each man brought something to the table in God's vision. The people are crying out, help us. Paul was the great and powerful evangelist. He was the only one that was the apostle. 
nobody could supersede him as far as what God had called him to do. Silas came along and Silas was quite the encourager. Maybe not as good as Barnabas, but he, he was quite the encourager. And by the way, every man of God needs somebody encouraging them. If you ever leave this place and go on somebody's staff, make sure you encourage the man of God. And when God calls you to be a pastor, then you leave in a wonderful way and go pastor that church. Every pastor needs a Silas. Luke was the other guy. The beloved physician, and Luke was there. Paul, Paul had a lot of health issues, and Luke was there to kind of help bind him up and give him the liniment and the things that he needed to keep on going. And every, every, everybody, everybody had this. T -t Timothy was, was uh, the young understudy that would take the reins and run with the vision after Paul's death. We need everybody to catch the vision that God has for us to do the work of God. But just hearing that plea, help us. Can you hear it? Help us. Help us. I'll tell you this story and I'm finished. We have a, a large ministry over in Thailand. We have a base church that has a little Bible institute and we have um, a little base church there and a children's home there. It's more than an orphanage. The people up in the hill tribes there would actually bring their kids down because there's a better life for them down in the city than up in the mountains. And... Uh, we have about 14, 15 different little churches. We've started from that church there in the central city. And the first time I ever went to see that ministry after I came to Franklin Road, it was, it's under our church. The first time I went to see it, I was taken back. The missionary that was there is dead now. But he took me up into those, the mountains, what's called the Golden Triangle. The Golden Triangle is in northern Thailand. We, went through, we flew into Chiang Mai, then we drove up to Chiang Rai in a little, little old long bus van. And... and um, as we drove through that mountain range up in the Golden Triangle, you've got Thailand, you've got Burma, and you've got Laos, which are semi-closed countries, closed countries. And I remember driving up through there, and the missionary looked at me, he said, uh, Brother Norsey, he said, I want you to look at that mountain range, look real hard at that mountain range. We're driving up in those mountains. He said, everywhere you see a brown spot in that lush jungle, green lush jungle, everywhere you see a brown spot, he said, that's a hill tribe. I said, what's a hill tribe? He said, that is an Aka Indian tribe. Some of them are the long necks, but most of them are just Aka Indian. I said, what's an Aka Indian? Because I know there's Akas in South America and Africa. He said, an Aka in Thailand, he said, is somebody that was Burmese and they intermarried with someone in Thailand and they consider them um, an intermarriage and Thailand doesn't want them and Burma doesn't want them, so they move them up in the mountains. Well, some of those walls have been broken down some over the years, but... Thailand, the president there kind of takes care of them and there's no electric there unless they have some type of a solar energy. They live in huts and they had not been evangelized when that missionary first went there. He said, everywhere you see a brown spot, he said, that's a, that's a hill tribe of anywhere from 25 to 125 people. We went into some of those things and I was taken back. I, I, this is the first time that I, this was years ago, the first time I'd ever seen anybody that had that look in their eyes just saying, help us. We don't know what we need, but we want what you have. Help us. Help us. Help us. I remember the first time I gave my first invitation. He said, preacher, you don't have to do anything theologically big. Just start at Genesis and work your way up and talk maybe about the flood, but get to the cross as quick as you can. And I just, I really just kind of told elementary Bible stories and I got to the cross. 
And they never, I mean, it took a long time because I'd preach, I would preach from English to Thai and then the translator would go from Thai to Aka. So I, I preached through two interpreters. So I had to say it a little bit as quickly as I could say it and it still took a long time, but they never took their eyes off me. And then I gave the invitation the best way I knew how. When I gave the invitation in the first, in the first meeting, most everyone came and they knelt on their face before God. The missionary stepped up and he said, uh, Brother Norris, I need to take this invitation. He said something to him in their native tongue. I said, what did you say? He said, I told them that if, uh, if, they, if they don't take Jesus and take Jesus only, go back to their seat. I said, what'd you do that for? I said, the altars are full. He said, because if, you don't, if they don't understand that they got to give up Buddha and give up all their spirit worship idols, then it's not legitimate. He said, I want them to take Jesus and Jesus only. And I looked down after he said that and these people were walking, walking back and forth and they were praying. And I said, I couldn't understand. I said, what are they saying? He said, they're saying, we take Jesus and Jesus only. We give up Buddha. We give up our idols. We want Jesus and Jesus only. We believe in the cross. We believe in the resurrection. And they were praying those prayers and I was listening to them pray those prayers. And I, I've got that image in my mind right now. And, and as we were finishing that meeting, there was a little, little guy got on a little moped and he charged as quickly as he could to the next hill trap. And by the time we got with our bus to the next hill trap, they were coming up uh, uh, out, of the, out of the jungle up to the road to meet us. I thought, oh my goodness, they're going to come and eat us now. He said, no, no, no. He said, they've already heard that you told them about Jesus in that hill trap. They want to hear about Jesus here. So he stood there and told them about Jesus there. And then we went to the next one, told them about Jesus there. And over and over, I'm just saying, there are people all over the world. They don't know what they need unless you tell them. They're saying, help us.